0: Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. I've just been in prayer these past couple of weeks and just looking at, at, at all the world and all the world events and trying to say, man, what is a great, what is going on in this world? Well, last week we talked about being, just having a thankful heart. And then, and then right after we have this really thankful heart, I, I look on the news and I just see the ravages of Black Friday. And I said, well, man, we've got past the thankful, the thankful uh, aspect of this season. And then now we're into the crazy buying, spending all our money on Christmas stuff time of season. I'm like, wow. How is it that, I, I still haven't figured out how can we go. From Halloween, I mean, think about this, just, just take a moment, think about this. Halloween, which is dark, and witches, and warlocks, and, and all this craziness, and then we go right into, into Thanksgiving, and then into Christmas. As a matter of fact, I was walking through, me and Shannon were walking through home, the home store, right there on Ambassador Caffrey, and uh, I'm walking through, looking at all the Christmas lights, and looking at all the beautiful Christmas stuff, and then they had their clearance aisle, right? Which was all the Halloween stuff, and it's like right across from all the Christmas stuff. And I'm like, man... This is really wild how, how our minds work during this season of the year. But Christmas is coming soon. Amen? Christmas is coming soon. And I want to just take this, these next five weeks, as I was just praying, and we're going, to, we're going to start a series, and I just want to make sure that we have a thorough, good understanding of what this season is all about. You know, although I love the gifts, I love all the decorations, I love the food and the festivities and all the fun, But the really important thing is that we know what really is the big deal. What is the big deal about Christmas? What is the big deal? Well, it's not the big deal that we got on on Black Friday. Come on, I want you to know that that we can go into all the world declaring the the, the Jesus Christ came into the flesh. He was born of a virgin, born in a manger and all those things. But for many people, as we go out into this world, it's almost like Greek to them. Come on, we tell people many times, hey, you need to, to get saved. Why do we need a Savior? Have you all ever had that question brought to you? Am I the only one? Man, you need to just give your heart to Jesus. Well, why? Why do I need to give my heart to Jesus? Why do I need a Savior? What do you mean I've sinned? For all have sinned and fallen short of... What is sin? The sin is just what the Bible says. It's not even an accurate book anymore. This thing was outdated 2,000 years ago. Am I the only person that gets this type of feedback? What about God? Who is God? Oh, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. Well, what God? Is it Thor the God? Or the God of the Hindus? Or the God of the Muslims? Or what God exactly are we talking about here? I mean, haven't we just kind of diluted the Word of God to the point where it just doesn't even make any sense? People go through Christmas and they don't have a thorough understanding of what Christmas represents, so then we just turn it into some retail consumer holiday where businesses plan their entire year around one day of the year. that you know that most of these major corporations and businesses, that, that, that's why they call it Black Friday. I'm sure most of you know that. But, but it, they, they operate in the red. They're losing money for the entire year. Then one day of the year, in a single moment, they turn it all around and they become profitable. So their, their, their numbers go from in the red into the black. Therefore, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever Saturday, something Sunday. But all the while, totally losing track of what Christmas is all about. We'd say Jesus is born in a manger. Well, who is Jesus? Come on, I mean, it's not just enough to know what the teachings of Jesus are. It's just not enough to know what the activities of Jesus are. But how many of you know we need to know who Jesus is? Come on, it's whenever we get that reality down deep into our soul, down deep into our heart, we have to get Jesus that, that, that baby born in a manger. We have to get Jesus, that young man that, that, that ran from his parents. That we have to get Jesus who died on a cross. That Jesus who was raised again on the third day. Jesus who ascended to the Father. That we have to get all that past our intellect. We have to get all that past our emotions. And we have to allow that to get deep down into our spirits. And it begins to bring life and peace. And we begin to have those fruit of the spirit. So the question here this morning is why are people falling away? Why is our country totally going the opposite direction of where it should be? Why is that? I believe that in this, this day and age that people are truly hungry for the truth. That people are truly hungry for the intimacy of God. That these young people and even older people, people who've fallen away, who've gone to church, left the church, who've done all these things, I believe with everything in me, that they are totally hungry for the real truth of who God is. I believe that because that was me. That I grew up in church, but I didn't have a thorough understanding of who God was. I didn't have a thorough understanding of who Jesus was. Come on, it takes more than just clever sayings. It takes more than just a, a random blurp on my Facebook page. Come on, it takes more than a coffee cup saying or a bumper sticker to lead someone to Christ. Come on, how many of you know that we need to... Begin to again teach our children the truth of the Bible. So that way, when they grow old, they will not depart from it. You see, part of the problem, one of the reasons that, that people can go from, from Thanksgiving, they can go, or, or from Halloween, they can go to Thanksgiving, they can go to Christmas, they can go to New Year's, and they believe that all of those things are entirely separate is because we've adopted in this nation, believe it or not, a very Greek way of thinking. Well, how many of y'all heard this thing? That, that, that you've got to you gotta prioritize your life, right? You've got to put your priorities straight. Well, it's got to be God first, right? And then it's got to be what? What's second? Family second, right? What's third? Church. I mean, what, what, whatever you want it to be, right? You can, you can prioritize these things. And we can be able to prioritize. I remember while we were down at Christ for the Nations Institute, we were, we were learning about the truth of what worship is. And it was a man named Mike Massa who was a pastor for many years and, and was actually really raised from the dead. as he, His body was so ravaged with cancer that he, he just reached this point of dying. And, then, and God just restored his health and restored his peace. And he came to this understanding that, that God isn't just about prioritizing. Come on, that's a Greek thought. How many of you know that when we begin to think that way, we begin to prioritize that way, then we say, well, we have God here at church. Then when I get home it's family, I'm going to have that. Of course, God, we can welcome God and family. That's okay. But then what about, what about work? It doesn't really fit into that narrative, right? What, what about school? right? What, what, about, what about our relationships, our friendships? Come on, I, I know people that have fr- relationships and friends. and I, I love having friends. I have friends who, who don't come to church, who are not believers. I have friends who are sinners. Why? Because Jesus had friends who were sinners. Jesus was a friend of a sinner. He was a friend with me. He is a friend of mine. That reminds me of a really bad YouTube. Uh, Shannon goes, go YouTube this. Jesus is a friend of mine. And then it's a music video. It's awesome. Don't do it right now, though. Because then everybody will start laughing. Be very distracted. But see, but see, that's, that's a Greek way of thinking. It's a Roman way of thinking, in fact. It's whenever we begin to differentiate. I'm not saying that that's entirely wrong, but I'm saying it's not totally fulfilling. That the Jewish way of thought, that the godly way of thought is that God is first, and God is second, and God is third, and God is fourth, and God is fifth, and God is sixth. In fact, God is in everything that we do. That there's absolutely no separation between points one and point two. That we put God first, we take Him out of family. We can leave Him there, but we'll take Him out of work. But that's not how, that's not how God really works. God wants to be in your, in your heart, He wants to be in your family, He be, wants to be in your work, He wants to be in your school, He wants to be in your relationships. Come on, can the church truly become a light to this world when we leave the light shining in the church and we fail to take it out of these four walls? Come on, I believe that God wants us to use this time, that the Christmas story, what's the big deal? The big deal is that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came to this earth to be born in a manger, to be born in poverty. So that way we can live life and peace and comfort. Come on, did you know that Jesus Christ... That, that he, everything that he is is based upon he was the second Adam. Have you ever heard that saying? That Jesus is the second Adam. Adam was the first Adam. And we're going to talk about this over these next five weeks. And that Jesus is the second Adam. That through him, we are part of the inheritance of God. That we are grafted in. That we are adopted into the family of God. It may sound like Greek today, but it won't in a few weeks. Everything we do is worship. There's no separation, there's no division, there's no way that we can separate ourselves from the love of Christ. There's God in family, God in church, God in work, God in our relationships, God in our hobbies. Come on, I remember Pastor Tommy, we were, we were having these conversations and they, uh, with, with different people and they said, well, can I do this? And they, and they would begin to argue, well, it's okay if I do this, it's okay if I do this. And his simple answer was this, he said, if, well, will not you just go take that and you know, if you want to read that type of magazine, just go take that in your prayer closet and, just, and let it stay open there while you're trying to pray. And if it's not okay, then I would have you to say it's never okay. Come on. Amen? Come on, we can't just separate, well, I'm going to have my God time and have my every other time. You see, I believe that in our nation today that there has been some, some deceptions, that the enemy is deceptive. Come on, he doesn't really, he's not worried that, that we're talking about the baby Jesus. You see, because he, we're trying to build on broken foundations. Come on, I remember the, the, the Pentecostal movement, Azusa Street. I don't really remember it, but I read about it. And there were all these great movements of God. Come on, e- even the Brownsville revival. How many of y'all realize that the people that were, that were moved, that were indwelled with the, the Holy Spirit, that, that they had an understanding of who God was before they had that movement? That our, that our nation was a nation under God, indivisible. That I believe our our nation, that we're we're starting to take God out of our schools. That we're taking God out of our work. That we're taking God out of our homes. And in that, we have broken foundations. That we've lost touch with what the reality of Scripture. That even now, we have universities and, and professors that all they do is they argue against the things of God. But I want to argue with you here today and say that though we walk in the flesh, as we read this morning... We don't war according to the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Come on, I believe that God gave us his word as a sword to begin to break down strongholds in our lives. Come on, I believe that there's many of us that even struggle receiving a healing because we have a broken foundation of who God is in our minds. Here this morning, I just want to lay some groundwork as we just begin to open up this series, What's the Big Deal? I want to begin to address some of the bigger issues. Come on, in, in politics and on the news, you hear all these issues, and even church churches and pastors, they begin to talk about abortion and marriage and family. They've been talking about work and and, and ethics and performance expectation. But did you know that think about this we're, that we're arguing abortion and homosexual marriage with people that don't even have the same foundational base as we do? Think of it this way, if we were going to build a house that we're going to have to build, it. if you had a, a shaky foundation, you're not just going to begin to pour a good foundation on top of the broken foundation. There's some people that'll do that. Don't hire those guys. You want to begin to, you have to rip out that old foundation. You have to rip out that old understanding and begin to put the firm foundation in place. And then God can begin to build on that. I believe that people have a misunderstanding of scriptures. I believe that people have a misunderstanding of who God is. And in that, the fruit of that, come on, we can argue points until we're blue in the face. But until we begin to have a thorough understanding of who God is, then hearts are going to begin to change. We have a thorough understanding of who Jesus is. Come on, many of y'all know this verse of scripture, Matthew 16. Jesus goes to Peter. He says, who do men say that I am? He says, well, you're Elijah, you're John, John the Baptist, you're the prophet. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, but Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, you've answered rightly. He says, in fact, it's upon this rock, it's upon this truth, it's upon that foundation that I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, how many of you know we need to build a foundation, doctrinally, theologically, emotionally, scripturally, worshiply, every type of way of our life, to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Come on, how many of you believe that here this morning? Amen. In fact, the Bible teaches us to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, many times we enter into these arguments, we enter into these debates with unbelievers who don't even believe that Jesus is the Christ. I want you to know that they, have, that they are deceived. This is a bold statement. That there's a deception in this land that believes that, that in a matter of fact, we don't, we, God really doesn't even exist. We just come from, from some big bang or we come from some evolutionary process. I want you to know when you begin to take those thoughts and those types of beliefs to their natural uh, extent, how can I believe that I could that God even exist if I believe in evolution? I'm going to, to let you know here this morning it's impossible. Because when I begin to say, well, I, I just I just evolved from some from some uh, animal or some little atom or some cell or something like that, then then how can God heal me? Because all I am is just some reaction to the universe. Right, I wasn't spoken into the existence. I want you to know when you begin to believe in the creation and the creator God, then God, that same God that created the heavens and the earth, the same God that put the stars into perfect harmony, that same God can speak into you and, and call your cells into alignment. He can cause disease to go away. And as a matter of fact, He did that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Well, we pray for one another, why? Because we believe that we serve a creator God. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. You can go there in your Bible. I've got a few scriptures. It says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You look at your neighbor and say, Welcome to the household of God. Having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets... Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Come on, I just want to say here this morning that Jesus Christ came as our foundation stone, that He is the chief cornerstone, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. And as we begin to build on the truth of who Jesus Christ is, not only who he, what He did, not only what He taught, but on who Jesus is. That Jesus is God incarnate. That as David here just this morning said, that God came to be with us. He came in the flesh. That He felt the sin and He felt the shame of the cross. And He felt our sin and our shame when He was on that cross. And it was through that that we are saved. But how can we believe in a Jesus when we can't believe in a creator? How can we believe in Jesus when we don't even believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God? That we need to begin to build on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. So over these next 5 weeks, we're going to have a just I want to begin to just unwrap who God is, who Jesus is. As we talk about just the creator God in the Bible. I want to talk about the fall of man and the results of sin. Come on, how many of you recognize here this morning that, that if we don't believe in Adam and we don't believe that Adam fell and Adam sinned, then how am I going to believe that I am a sinner if I've left a pretty good life? Come on, I want you to know that why do I need a Savior if I've never, if I feel like I've done pretty good for myself? I want you to know this morning that we need a Savior in Jesus Christ. Because we have all sinned. How? Because we are all of the seed of Adam. That our very nature is broken. I want to talk about the Mosaic, the, the Mosaic system and the prophets. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus, He fulfilled all the scriptures of the, the Old Testament. Well, how, how are we going to know? I want us to build up our faith. Come on, as I just begin to study these things, God began to stir up something within me. Come on, I, we, I know we, we accept Jesus by faith, but it's not blind faith. Come on, I want you to know that the, that the Word of God is more true, it's more real than any other document on the face of this planet. And that we can prove that. On, we don't have to just believe it by faith. Well, I just believe by faith. Yeah, believe by faith. But believe by faith because, you're, because this thing can be proved out. You know that in the 2,000 years of the resurrection, not a single person... No matter how smart, no matter how scientific, has been able to prove that the resurrection didn't take place? And, and do you realize that since then, there's never been another resurrection of God, from God? I mean, think about that. Jesus dies on a cross, he's buried in, in a tomb. Three days later, he's raised again, he's seen by countless hundreds of people, countless hundreds of witnesses, and it's never been refuted. That's incredible. I want to talk about the prophetic implications of who, what the gospel is. Who does the Bible say that Jesus is? And I'm still in this title from the 1977 version of, of Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter. As a matter of fact, I, I encourage you, if you want to go and read that book, More Than a Carpenter, to do so. And it's the, the title of, of December 16th, we're going to talk, talk about, Will the Real Messiah Please Stand Up? And for all of the people that are about my age, they know that song. Then I want to, December 23rd, we're going to be born of a manger. We're going to talk about being born of a manger. Born in a manger. But I believe that, that here, this morning, we have the opportunity to just discuss the Word of God. As a matter of fact, that if we go back even into Scripture, I, what I want to do is look at how we have to present the Gospel where we are today. Come on, many of us have this Acts 2 type attitude, this Peter attitude. Come on, if you look in the book of Acts, you see Peter on the day of Pentecost. He's baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And there's winds that blew and there's tongues. uh, And and, and he goes out into the the square and they said, Man, all your people are drunk. He says, they're not drunk with wine, but they're drunk with the Holy Spirit. He says, as a matter of fact, he begins to outline exactly who Jesus is. It says, on that day, through the Spirit of God, 3,000 souls came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Come on, that was one of the biggest outpourings of the Spirit ever recorded. And many of us have that expectation, but we, still, but we don't live in an Acts chapter 2 society anymore. Come on, how many of you realize that we live in a society that's largely different than it was in Acts chapter 2 when Peter was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ there in Jerusalem? Every single one of them, most of them, the people there, had memorized the entirety of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And if they know who God was, they knew all the prophets. They knew all those things. But so whenever he just began to reveal and open up who Jesus was according to Scripture, their hearts were turned towards Christ. Come on, but we live in a culture that doesn't have that understanding in them anymore. In fact, I believe that we live in an Acts 17 culture. And we have to have more of the attitude and the understanding of Paul, the apostle. In fact, I want to just read a verse, uh, Acts 17. 16 through 23. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens. Now Athens, as we know, is in Greece. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Can you just ask yourself this question? When we see the perversions of this world, we see the lies that are being shared throughout all of our schools and, the, and our, through the politicians. And you look at, I mean, social media just it opens up a whole new realm of life. Not... That's not that good. Is your spirit provoked within you to share the truth of who God is? Or is our spirit provoked to condemnation and damnation of those individuals? Come on, I I want you to know that whenever I see homosexual movement, whenever I see the abortion movement, that I have an understanding that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That it's not those people that we come against, but it's the spirit that's within them that we come against. Come on, my heart's provoked in order to share the truth of the gospel, that they may be set free. Verse 17, Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshippers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. And then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. Because he preached to them Jesus and their resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the area of Pagus, which is also Mars Hill, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is and of who you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Isn't that our society today? Come on, we live in a world that everybody just has some type of philosophy. They have some type of clever saying. They have some type of thing that they want people to know. Some new thing, some new understanding. Don't you know that Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun? These Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, those philosophies still live on today. So Paul, in verse 22, he stood up in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you are very religious. I want you to know that was like sticking a, a knife in their hearts. they study the Epicurean and Stoic philosophies. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. And here this morning, I just want to talk to you about sharing our heart to our community. Well, we live in a culture today that doesn't have an understanding of all things scriptural. As a matter of fact, if they're, they're in recent studies, in, in Barno's studies, they ask uh, the simple questions, they did some research, how many people in the church actually read their Bible daily? Or how many pe- people in the church actually have read through the entire Bible? And you know it's less than 10%. I mean, you know, we talk about living in a, a, a biblically illiterate society, but even a lot of the people in the church are, for the most part, biblically illiterate. Why is that? I don't, I don't have that answer. I believe that we feel like the Bible is just irrelevant for our life today. But I want to encourage you this morning that it's the most relevant book on the planet. That you can read all the self-help books that you want, but just one word from the Lord will change your heart. As, as Doc shared this morning, that love... We just allow love, it can change our broken hearts, it can change our broken attitudes, it can change even our very bodies. Come on, did you know that depression and anxiety not only has an effect on us emotionally or spiritually, but it can begin to have physical ramifications throughout our bodies? We need to get into the Word of God. And many people, they compare the message of the Bible to the message of so many others and so many other things. The Bible teaches us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We argue and against people, we argue morals with people that have a totally different foundational standard than we have. Than the Bible teaches. And even us, as Christians, we need to begin to look at the, is this a moral document? Is this a legal document? Is this an ethical document? It's a life changing document. How many of you know that we all want to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, but are we willing to receive Jesus Christ as Lord? You see, what people believe is simply an overflow of the foundations with which they build in their lives. Come on, don't you realize that, that, that for a person to say that that they can abort a baby, that they can do those things, isn't just a moral or, or ethical dilemma. It's a foundational dilemma. That the very nature of who God is is broken in their hearts and their minds. That they don't have a thorough understanding of who God is. Even in homosexual marriage, is that even an issue? Not if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that the Bible is the all the inspired Word of God. Then you can begin to have a right understanding about these things. It's not condemning, but it's life giving. It's heart changing. Financially, we struggle, but yet we refuse to accept the Bible as our understanding and our guide for financial issues and blessings of the Lord. Don't you know that the Lord says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? See, Paul realized when he, was, when he went up onto that, into Athens and he began to declare the truth, he began to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, the resurrection of Jesus well, the greatest story ever told, Paul is declaring that. And he realized they are missing the point. You see, the church has the answers. But the world's obviously asking the wrong questions. I believe that the world's asking the right questions. We just are giving them the wrong answers. On, we need to begin to be a church that stands on the truth of the word of God. When I mean, there's people out there that say that the Bible is full of errors, full of contradictions... Well, we've even been teaching our children that it's just a bunch of stories and fairy tales. But I want you to know that all these stories and fairy tales, did you know that the Bible is the most accurate histor- ancient historical document on the face of the planet? Not by a little. When I say not by, it's by a lot. As a matter of fact, a, a, a biblical archaeologist well-known, William Albright, he said that the time of its writing of, of the Bible... Was, no, was in the first century A.D. Every book in the Bible was probably written by the first century A.D. I want you to think about that. that the, these aren't just stories that were passed down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation until finally they were written down. These, these things, when they were written down, that they had people who were there in Jerusalem when Jesus walked the street, when Jesus healed the woman of the issue of blood, when Jesus was there tell, with, in, the, in the, the, the synagogue and the people were trying to... To stone this woman. There were people that were there that witnessed those things. So so whenever they had the, the, the Bible was written, they had people who were witnesses, first hand accounts there that could refute these stories. Those stories, the, the refutation of those don't exist. Why? Because the Bible is accurate. The biblical account is accurate. As a matter of fact, people could say, well, the Bible was accurate when it was written. 1900, 2000 years ago, but now we have an entirely different Bible and it's been changed. It's not the same. Well, I beg to differ that we have manuscripts that go all the way back to the second century A.D. And and you know what's interesting about that? We don't have just one or two or ten. We don't even have a hundred. We don't have a thousand. We don't even have 10,000. Do you realize that we have over 20,000 original manuscripts of the of the New Testament Bible. And that in the Dead Sea scrolls that was that were written like two hundred years BC, they found them just in the nineteen seventy six. That when they begin to, to read through those ancient scrolls that haven't been touched in two thousand years, you know that the Bible that they found there on the Dead Sea was the exact same Bible from the manuscripts that they have back before Jesus was even born? That the only thing they found was one letter different and it was the letter I in the book of Isaiah. One letter over 2,000 years has changed. So we know that we have a totally accurate, dependable Old Testament. We know we have a totally accurate, dependable New Testament. The Bible can be trusted. In, in Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, Thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we read the stories of the Bible, that we need to have an understanding that this is the truth, and this truth transcends our understanding even today. Come on, that there will be arguments that are brought up, but the Bible can be trusted. It's been proven out. If we go back to Acts chapter, 20, uh, chapter, chapter 17... Paul quickly redirects. He begins to see that he's having little effect. Because he begins to have an understanding that I'm preaching the truth of Jesus and the resurrection. But they're not getting it. They're missing something. So he redirects. And he begins to bring truth where there is no truth. He begins to bring understanding where there's lack of understanding. Acts chapter 17 Verse 24, so Paul, he begins to stand up. He says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is, is he worshipped with, with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from, the, from one blood every nation of man To dwell on all the face of the earth. And has determined their pre-appointed times. And the boundaries of their dwellings. So that they should seek the Lord. In the hope that they might grope for Him. And find Him. Though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move. And have our being. As also some of your own poets have said. For we are also His offspring. Paul. He begins to bring some understanding. He says, I know you don't know who Jesus is. Let me tell you who God is. And we're going to work back. He says, in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, here this morning, I want to challenge you to let that be the truth of your heart this morning. That we can trust on the the reliability of the Scripture. And we can know that God is our Creator. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. As a matter of fact, it says that that we are a nation from one blood, that all of us descended from Adam. And then that, Adam sinned, and we can begin to outline and explain the truth of the gospel. You know, most major Christian religions and denominations, including the... The Assemblies of God, I want to read for you the first fundamental truth of the Assemblies of God. It says that the Scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man. The infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. You see, the enemy is undermining the foundation of the Gospel by attacking the authority of Scripture. I want to encourage you here this morning that Scripture can be trusted. As we begin to build a foundation on that truth, then the, the, the understanding that God can begin to tear down strongholds, that He can be in the cast-down arguments, becomes a new reality in us. In fact, that's just kind of a little promo commercial right now. Uh, starting after the first of the year, we're going to have uh, the first full week of January. is going to be a week of prayer and fasting. And we're just going to dedicate that time to prayer and fasting. And then right after that, we're going to start on Monday nights our school of prayer led by J.P. Brett. And we're just going to learn how to pray and get into that stuff. But on Wednesday nights, that second full week of January, we're going to start a 12-week series called Foundations. And we're just going to go through the whole of Scripture as, as we just examine the book of Genesis. And get an understanding where our faith can be built up. Our faith can be stirred up into the truth of who God is. Why? Because the more we know who God is, the, more, the deeper that that foundation is laid within us. Come on, we can, we can have a stronger foundation of who Jesus is. How can we understand what Christmas is when we don't understand who Jesus is? In the beginning, God created in fact, in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want you to know that Jesus, He was born in a manger, but that doesn't mean that that was the first time He was ever in existence. That that was just God incarnate. That was when God came to this earth to dwell among men. It says that, that Jesus existed from the very beginning. That Jesus is God. As a matter of fact, that's one of the claims of Jesus. So it's either Jesus. I mean, you can't just believe the teachings of Jesus without understanding that who Jesus said he was. Jesus said he was God. So it's either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's a Lord. Come on, I, can't, I just can't say what well, Jesus was a great prophet. Well, he was. He was a great teacher. Yep, he had some great, really. He was very charismatic, and people really liked him. Yes, he also said some really hard things. You have to accept those hard things in order to accept the easy things. You have to accept all the, all the, the elements of your salvation. And, and, and then walk out all that sanctification that comes along with it. Jesus says, if you love me, he says, keep my commandments. Come on, there's no, there's no such thing as cheap, easy grace. That the, that the man God, Jesus Christ, came and he died on a cross for our sins. For your sins, for my sins. That He was there in the very creation. He saw, He was there with Adam and walked with Adam in the garden in perfection. And wants to have that intimacy with each and every one of us. And that intimacy comes through truth and knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. That comes through the Word of God as it's inspired. God breathed. The Bible teaches us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why? Because it is. Who is Jesus? I mean, what... What difference does it make if somebody died on the cross for me? I didn't ask him to do that. I want you to know that it's a far deeper reality. One says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One, well, you didn't have to understand your salvation in order for it to be made real. That Jesus died for us before we even knew that we needed him. Why is that message foolishness? Because we lack understanding. We lack a firm foundation. When we understand who Jesus is, then we can begin to understand who we are. And who we are in Him. Now I'm not going to stand up here and say that there's not many struggles and there's many claims of science and and history and modern theory. There's different narratives that say the Bible is just a fairy tale book. But I want you to know it's the most accurate documentation of creation on the face of the planet. And when we begin to build our foundation on Scripture, the rest of it begins to fall in place. When we begin to build a foundation upon a lie, the rest of our lives begin to fall in place on that foundation. So here this morning, I want to ask you, is this story of Christmas... I mean, I, I know it's baby Jesus, I know we get presents, I know we see family, I know all these things. But as Jesus Christ come to this earth, is that the greatest story ever told in your life? Come on, I believe that even now, God wants to begin to make that a, a more of a reality for someone here this morning. That we know that Jesus, we know the Christmas of our childhood. But how, how many of you want to know the Christmas of our eternity? How many of, how many of you want us to walk out that Christmas, that revelation that, G, that Christ came to this earth in the form of mankind to redeem us from the pits, to redeem us from darkness? Can you reconcile that question to yourself? I just want to take a few moments here this morning. If, you're, if you've never given your heart fully to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, as your Lord and Savior, Willing to follow Him in all your ways. Willing to say, Lord, I don't have all the answers. I don't understand all this stuff about creation. I don't understand all this stuff about about the the, the, the Old Testament and the prophecies. But many times we have to come to the Lord as a child. That childlike faith. I I want to just encourage you this morning. As you begin to just take those first steps, God will begin to guide you. There's a story in the New Testament where, where Peter is, and, and the rest of the apostles, they're, they're going along in a boat and they see, a, they see Jesus walking there on the water. And Peter looks at Jesus. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus just looks at Peter and says, come. And he takes that first step. Come, on, I want you to know that, that Peter was stepping out in faith on the word of Jesus Christ. This morning you have that same opportunity to step out in faith on the word of Jesus Christ. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.